This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Subway to Shea podcast, Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Episode 63 is here. And first off, I just want to thank everyone that joined the Subway to Shea live on Twitter spaces. That was a whole lot of fun to do last Thursday. And I appreciate everyone who chimed in. And make sure you're following me on Twitter at Subway to Shea. And you can join in the Twitter spaces. I do them periodically. Last Thursday was a, you know, big things coming out of Mets World. So I decided to do one then. But I will let you know when I do these Twitter spaces. And it was a lot of fun. Got to talk to a lot of great Met fans out there and enjoyed their comments, their thoughts, and their company for about the hour that we did it. So it was a lot of fun. I hope everyone had a great weekend. The Mets had a pretty good weekend. They keep winning series since the last time we talked, which was last Monday following the Seattle Mariners series, in which they lost their first series. They came back, won three out of four from the St. Louis Cardinals, and then took two out of three from the Colorado Rockies. Where we left off last week kind of blends into what we're going to talk about this week. Last week, we talked about the injuries to James McCann, the injuries to Tyler McGill, which we're going to get into another huge injury that took place. We also talked about the Chris Bassett contract negotiation, if he might get extended. There's some news on that, which we're also going to get into. The Mets are in the start of a tough stretch coming up. We're going to be playing San Francisco. We got the Phillies and the Nationals at home, then going out to L.A., San Diego. The whole month of June is pretty wild for the New York Mets, and they're going to have to do it without one of their starting pitchers, and it's the big one. Max Scherzer, he is out. I talked about it a little bit on the Twitter spaces. Wednesday against the St. Louis Cardinals, he took himself out of the game after five and two-third innings. We thought initially he was taking himself as precaution. Max knows his body. He knows how he feels. And what ended up happening initially was a left-side discomfort. Following day on Thursday, we find out that he has a high-grade internal oblique strain. He is out for six to eight weeks, so we are not going to see him for the next two months. Maybe until the trade deadline, possibly, early late July, early August, but he is going to be out for the next six to eight weeks because then obviously he's going to have to ramp up again and get going again. We're not going to see him. We're not seeing Jacob deGrom right now. So the Mets are in a rock and a hard place, if uh, that's the term you want to coin right there. Scherzer, up to this point, has been as advertised, right? After signing that mega deal with the Mets, that three-year deal, he was 5-1 with a 2.54 ERA in eight games, 59 strikeouts, a whip of .95. He 
delivered on all fronts, off the field, on the field, with his leadership, the moxie he brings to the team, something this locker room has lacked for such a long time, especially last year. So this is a tough loss to take for this Mets team. By no means do I think that this is going to crush the Mets because if the Mets can just hang in there with Chris Bassett, with Carlos Carrasco, with Taiwan Walker, until we get the return of Jacob deGrom, who might come back first. So the Mets, they're going to have to hold down the fort right now. And what now? Well, like the title of this week's episode, when you read it before you listen, Next Met Up. That's the title of this episode. Next Met Up, kind of like Next Man Up. So it's the Next Met Up. In regards to leading this rotation, no doubt that Chris Bassett is up to the challenge and can do it. He's built from that same type of mold as Max Scherzer. I wrote an article about him for Rising Apple, and it tells you what kind of person he is. It tells you what kind of player he is, and it tells you why Chris Bassett should be your new favorite Mets player right now. That's, that's the title, why Chris Bassett should be your new Mets player. So if you haven't done that, give that a read on risingapple.com. I'll go more into that always at the end of the show. I'll put the link in the description of the podcast. All the links to my articles are there, so you can check that out. But Chris Bassett could lead this team. He could lead this rotation. Looking at his stats this season so far. If we go to Chris Bassett here, he's done very well. Very underrated trade. He's 4-2 with a 2.77 ERA in eight games started, 49 strikeouts, a whip of 1.09. He has pitched very well. This whole rotation so far has pitched very well. Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker, they've pitched well this season. They are coming off of two good games this weekend. Taiwan Walker coming out almost a shutout. Well, he was coming off a shutout. Carlos Carrasco gave up only one run in his game against the Rockies. But how about Taiwan Walker in Colorado dealing? You cannot have asked for more, especially in a time where the Mets are starting. Let's look at this. Carlos Carrasco, 4-1 with a 3.50 ERA. He has pitched very, very well. Taiwan Walker, 2-0 with a 2.70 ERA. These two guys are going to have to pitch like this for the rest of the month of May and into June. We need those guys big time. So with Chris Bassett, who I kind of feel like is built in the same mold as a Max Scherzer, that's why I think he could lead this rotation for the time being. Kind of like another ace in the hole for the Mets. But you got Chris Bassett, Carlos Carrasco, and Taiwan Walker. Who fills in the fourth and fifth slot because we know Tyler McGill is also out? Do they make a trade? At this moment, I'm going to say they don't make a trade. And here's why. They first need to get a clearer picture on the status of Tyler McGill. I know he's kind of getting into that throwing program already, but we need to know how long it's going to take him to come back. If he misses more than the next couple of weeks, then yes, they probably should make a trade, and I definitely think they will. But if not, I think David Peterson, who's pitched well this entire season for the Mets, and any time that he's asked to be called upon, he's 1-0 with a 1.89 ERA in 19 innings pitched. He's going to pitch the first game against Seattle. But you also have Thomas Sapuki who can fill in. And in AAA so far this year, he doesn't have a winning record. He's 0-3, kind of getting that Jacob deGrom support run-wise. And he's got a 2.86 ERA, 30 strikeouts in 22 innings pitched. It might be time to give him a chance and see what he's got. Obviously, he got injured last season when he came up. But let's see what he has. Let's see if these guys can hold it down until at least... Tyler McGill comes back. He'll possibly be getting his start Wednesday in San Francisco. So you got Peterson on Monday, possibly Zapuki on Wednesday. Let's see what they got. Also, the Mets signed Trevor Cahill to a minor league deal, so he might get an opportunity before they make a trade. Trevor Cahill's 86 
and 99 career with a 4.26 ERA. His best season came in 2010 in Oakland when he went 18 and 8 with a 2.97 ERA. He has not pitched as well since then, but he probably is going to be that short-term fix like dare I say his name Jared Eikhoff who you just throw in there. Maybe he could be better, who knows. But he may get an opportunity before they make a trade. But if we're talking about trade targets, possible moves the Mets could make. Obviously, one big name, Frankie Montas from the Oakland Athletics. He's been a name that was talked about even during the offseason. That whole rotation was talked about during the offseason, and we ended up with Chris Bassett, who's been great. But Frankie Montas right now, 2-4 and four with 3.55 ERA. He's got 55 strikeouts in 50 and two-thirds innings pitched. His career, 33-27 and 27 with 3.83 ERA. The thing about getting Frankie Montas is you're probably going to have to give up a really, really good prospect. Do you want to do that right now? Do you want to give up a good prospect knowing the Tyler McGill and Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom are all going to come back at some point? I don't know. Or maybe they go after Tyler Mahey from the Cincinnati Reds. He's not having a great season. He's struggling 2-4 and four with a 5.23 ERA, but he's in Cincinnati, and that team has been struggling all season. One of the worst teams in baseball. He was talked about, too, before the Mets even got Chris Bassett. He was a possible option that the Mets were going after. Obviously, Luis Castillo, also on the Cincinnati Reds. Could he be a person the Mets go after. And when you look at a guy like Tyler Mayhe and the Cincinnati Reds, you may have to take a contract that is hampering the team, like a Mike Moustakis. Could he help on offense? He's a lefty coming off the bat. I think he's a lefty or he's a switch hitter. He switch hits. So Mike Moustakis, switch hitting. He's 33 years old. He's batting 232, three home runs, 10 RBIs, on-base percentage of 319, OPS of 693. He might be someone that's tagged along. I think one move that I would definitely consider, and and I don't know how true this is, but I'm starting to see more names linking um, a J.D. Martinez to the Mets, which I think would be awesome. But if you take on uh, like a Nathan Avaldi from the Red Sox, and I don't know how much the Red Sox are going to trade right now. They're starting to play a little bit better. He is 1-2 with a 4.10 ERA, 62-67 for his career with a 4.18 ERA. He's got 53 strikeouts in 48 and one-third innings pitched this season. But the coup would be J.D. Martinez, right? Because J.D. Martinez can hit lefties. He's a DH. He Obviously, he could play some of the outfield if you want him to. But I would rather bring in a J.D. Martinez to help out at DH. It just makes sense. He's batting 349 with five home runs, 20 RBIs, OBP of 390, OPS of 971. But what gets me, and you're looking at the batter splits here, right? What gets me with J.D. Martinez is something that the Mets lack, and that's hitting against lefties. He's batting 333 against lefties. The Mets have struggled all season long against lefties. They proved it this past weekend against Cincinnati. They've proven it every time they've faced a lefty that they struggle. And J.D. Martinez could help out with that offense. Mets need a bat against lefties. And it could be at the DH position because we've got a couple of players that are DHing, platooning right now at DH and are struggling mightily. How much longer do you go with them? And we'll get into them more later. Billy Epler has a lot on his plate, but this is why he gets paid the big bucks for moments like this to make this team better. And we're going to see if he could do that not only now, but at the trade deadline and moving on into the future. Now, I talked about the DH and 
You know, a couple of those guys in J.D. Davis and Dom Smith both struggling. Someone who is not struggling and is playing very well is Luis Guillorme. And this goes in line with that next met up that I've been talking about, this next man up. Should Luis Guillorme be a starter? At least for right now, right? You got to play him while he's hot. You got to play the hot hand, right? He definitely should start getting more playing time. Him playing the field adds to the defense. He plays multiple positions. He played very well in Colorado and made some game-saving plays, stopped some runs from scoring. He could give the starters time to rest or play DH. Not only playing great defense, which he did a lot this weekend, but he also hit and has hit well every time he's been given the opportunity. If you look at his stats this season, Luis Guillorme has been outstanding, batting 338. He's got one home run, three RBIs, but he's getting on base, on base percentage of 411, OPS of 857. Looking at his last seven games, 556 batting average. Last 15 games, if you want to add those more to it, 395 batting average. I mean, you gotta play the hot hand. There's only so long you can wait for J.D. Davis and Dom Smith to get going. And we've given them a lot of time. They've had April, they've had May, and they're still struggling. The Mets got rid of Robinson Cano because they wanted to give more time to these guys to turn it around and play. But they just haven't performed. They need to start taking time away from Dom Smith and J.D. Davis. I mean, just look at how they've played this season. We go back to J.D. Davis here. And I don't care how hard he's hit the ball or how hard luck it is. That, those stats can matter to some, but to me, this is what's important. With a guy that's supposed to drive in runs and be a run producer, J.D. Davis is batting 188. And if you don't care about batting average, fine. One home run, seven RBIs this season. 296 on base percentage. Slugging of 290. A 586 OPS. Dom Smith. He's got 11 RBIs. He's playing a little bit better, batting 189. Something's got to give with these two because by the end of the month, probably one more month, we'll say June, all of June, if this is getting non-production from both Dom Smith and J.D. Davis, the Mets might need to send them down. I don't know if you could send down J.D. Davis. I know Dom Smith has an option, or they might have to move on. They can also possibly take time away from Eduardo Escobar, who has not been playing well He's batting 203 this season. Two home runs, nine RBIs, on base percentage of 307. He has struggled all season, but for some reason, I just feel like with his resume and what he's done, that he's earned the right to continue to improve himself. And I think he will. I think he will overcome this. I think he will get over this rough patch and turn his season around. But Dom Smith and JD Davis, something's got to give, and it's got to give soon. And I don't want to see them fail. I want to see them produce for this team. I want to see them succeed and be happy on this team. But if they continue to struggle, I'm sure that Billy Epler, I'm sure that Buck Showalter will definitely be keeping an eye on this situation just like they did Robinson Cano. And they'll make the decision that's needed to be made to make this team better. Now, my final notes before this train leaves the station. I talked about Chris Bassett. A lot in this episode. Last week, we talked about him possibly getting a contract extension. The Mets settle with him to avoid arbitration for this season, which is good. 
which is very good. I think Ken Rosenthal was the first on it. They reached an agreement of one year, and I think it was $8.8 million contract, avoiding arbitration. And the salary for 2022, $8.65 million. And the deal includes a 2023 mutual option for 19 million or 150k buyout. So there is a chance that he could return. I don't know if he is going to take that. He may want to test free agency, but I think by the time this season's over, we're going to want to keep him. So Chris Bassett could be a sign of things to come with regards to an extension. Also, Starling Marte returned to the lineup following the passing of his grandmother. He missed the entire St. Louis series on the bereavement list. His grandma raised him since he was 10. This passing of his grandmother was also during the week of the tragic passing of his wife, the anniversary of his wife's passing a couple years ago. Marte has had such a rough go, and he returned on Saturday against the Colorado Rockies, and in his first at-bat, he hit a home run. Could not be happier for Starling Marte. He's been such a blessing this season for the Mets. A good signing. Very, very good. This season, he's got four home runs, 22 RBIs, five stolen bases, and a 270 average. He's done it all over the field. Great defense, great base running, except for that one gap he had in the beginning of the season. Um, he's been hitting, and I think that with... Starling Marte, the Mets' top of the lineup, is going to continue to produce. You see the Mets scoring runs in the first inning a lot this season, something that never happened last season, and Starling Marte is a huge part of that. So I want to send out now my condolences, my thoughts and prayers out to Starling Marte, out to his family, and um, it's great to have him back and great to see him playing again. And that will wrap it up for this week's episode of Subway to Shea. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I just mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Met fans. Let them know that this is the Mets podcast to listen to. If you've been a supporter this whole time, thank you. This show wouldn't be where it is right now without you, and I appreciate you all. You know that Subway to Shea is global. This podcast not only played in the United States, but also has reaches across the globe. So no matter where you listen, I got to ask you to please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week for you Met fans out there. So by going on Apple Podcasts, leaving me a one to five stars, hopefully you're giving me five stars, and leaving comments in the review section, it could help me to help make this show grow. You can also rate the show on Spotify if you're listening on Spotify Podcasts. Don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. We talked about it a little earlier, my recent article on why Chris Bassett should be your new favorite Met. It's on risingapple.com. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fans side network. You can read my articles by going to that website, risingapple.com, or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode, which I will definitely leave there for you. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the fan sided network at fansided. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. 
And that will do it for this week's episode. Always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets.